Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast that aims to discuss every piece of Star Wars media. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the Disney animated anthology series, Tales of the Jedi. Created by Dave Filoni, the series premiered on Disney Plus in October 2022 and consists of one season of six short episodes. The series focuses on two characters from the Star Wars universe, Ahsoka Tano and Count Dooku, delving into the two at various points in their lives and further expanding the Star Wars universe. The series was well-received, being the fourth most-streamed show during its release and having a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with critics praising the writing, music, and animation. And as always, there will be spoilers. Alright, so Marcus, you have once again darkened our doorstep with another Star Wars animated series. First, it was Star Wars The Clone Wars. Second, it was, what was it, Star Wars Visions? And now it is Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. I'm wondering if we're ever going to get to Rebels or the other animated shows. Oh, what about the original animated series? Oh, oh you mean like the 2004 the, one? The 2003 Clone Wars. That shit is actually fine. I know. Well, that, <laughs> was by, <laughs> that was by like the dude who did Samurai Jack, right? That's like yeah. Yeah. Samurai Jack and, Star Wars. And it was like before the Disney sort of canonization mm-hmm. of honestly story, wasn't so. it before revenge of the sith came out it was it yeah and that was, was the first time yeah. they introduced count uh not count uh general Asajj ventress yeah well both actually Asajj ventress and general grievous yeah and, and oh yeah that's right grievous. also oh, that's, that's how we know that he, his heart is weird i remember that yes yeah. i yes. i will say i will say we better get to rebels at some point because rebels is actually a quality show Rebels gets significantly better starting in season two. Okay, that was good because okay. I watched the first half of season one. I was like, uh. season one starts <laughs> slow, but it, it's great. And honestly, if you like Ahsoka Tano, which we'll get to in this episode, you'll have fun watching Rebels. And of course, you know we we haven't even touched Bad Batch. Like we have. Oh, that's true. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that show. Yeah. But yes, Marcus, you have uh, brought more Star Wars media to our podcast. And uh, at this point, I feel like it's just going to be something that we continually come back to, like an old friend, as uh, as time goes on. Does it rhyme, at Alex? Point, if we come back, or at what point do we <laughs> ask Dave Filoni to just like join us as our fifth member? Ooh, that'd oh, be fun. God. If we ever get famous enough to have like creators on this show, I feel like he would be first on the list. <laughs> would he? Well, he, based on number of uh, media covered, I believe. I mean, over over Brian Konietzko and Dante Michael DiRartino. Uh, yeah, I mean, over, over Nate Stevenson, over Rebecca Sugar. Like, that is a really bold claim to be making. That's fair. Kinesco well, we have gets to... both Avatar episodes and Dragon Prince, right? Which uh-huh. we're also going to talk about in season four. So that would be four individual episodes. Oh, God. Yeah, although Aaron Ahas was that. not lead on Avatar. Uh, mm. That was, as I mentioned, uh, Konietzko and DiRartino. Uh, Anyways, also, also, listeners, if you know who all the people that we just named are, a plus to you, and you're a nerd. Anyways, Sorry, we keep we keep interrupting you. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, I was just gonna say that. Uh, I did not know what to expect going into this uh, this show because I had ever since the sequels. I might have said this before, but I've been kind of tapped out of Star Wars. I think the last big production Star Wars thing that I've watched was the second season of The Mandalorian. I haven't touched Andor. I haven't touched 
any of the other offshoots of the shows on Disney Plus or the movies. Uh, but uh, I did hear about Bad Batch, but I had not heard about Tales of the Jedi. And I feel like this is going back to, of course, it's returning to form with uh, the Clone Wars because those were covering Ahsoka Tano and Count Dooku. And I thought it was really interesting how we were able to see... There's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff already there for Ahsoka Tano. We know a lot of things about her from the Clone Wars uh, series that we covered. And it's like final seasons that were revamped or uh, republished, I guess you could say, uh, in the most recent years. But we hadn't heard a lot about Count Dooku. And I feel like that was the most interesting part for me, learning Dooku's story. Because I'd already seen a lot of Ahsoka's story. And there wasn't really too much new for Ahsoka's side of the story. It was just like reiterating her character and uh, showing that she had insane force powers as a baby, which uh, was hilarious. But I feel like there's a lot of a lot of things that could have that Dooku has potential to be shown in um, in these series because we got a little bit of of him in the Clone Wars, and now I think I I think I've said this in previous podcast episodes that. I'm probably the one out of all four of us who is least tapped into Star Wars. But from what I can remember from the Clone Wars, uh, we did see a little bit of Dooku. Uh, We didn't really delve too deep into his story, but we did get some character backstory for him. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm wrong or not about that. Feel free to correct me. But I feel like this was a lot more concise and to the point in terms of his backstory, of his fall from... Uh, and his disillusionment with the Jedi Order and the ways that they dealt with with the Republic and the Senate. And I felt like that was something that wasn't... That uh, that was a side of Count Dooku that I hadn't seen before as a casual Star Wars viewer, and I really liked it. And it makes me want to have more of him uh, as a character. But that's my two cents about uh, this series. Uh, what about y'all? I know it's a pretty short series, only six episodes, but what did you all think about uh, this anthology series? Yeah, honestly, this series is pretty cool. Um, I had no idea what this was about. I I guess I got it in my head that it was like going to be similar to Star Wars Visions, even though that's entirely not what it is, like a sort of like, you know, episodic thingy of just exploring things but honestly i was surprised at how much how like how not 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 deep per se but like you you very you very much need to know the source material for this show to make any sense at least in my perspective maybe not the first episode because obviously it's just ahsoka as a baby and she rides on a tiger or an or alien tiger thing some kind of weird alien <laughs> cat that was too low poly to actually identify <laughs> Correct. That was very weird, yes. But, like, for me, watching specifically the Dooku episodes was very, very cool knowing about Dooku. Like, knowing that, you know, he was Qui-Gon Jinn's old master and how watching him interact with his Padawan in that sense. And then him just having an adventure with Mace Windu, I guess. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't realize that they were... Not you know obviously they were they're not partners per se they were like dispatched together but I was peers. like oh they're peers yeah they're colleagues 
And it was cool. Contemporaries. They're, they're <laughs> chatting over the water cooler on breaks at the Jedi Temple. Oh, yes. What do we think about this trade federation, huh? Um, so, so and, and, and I'll hold my favorite moment for a second because I, I was about to go into it. But it was really cool to see Mace Windu and Dooku play off of each other. And as Alex was saying, sort of showing Count Dooku's descend, descent to the to the dark side, perhaps, and how it is not. I don't know. You know, when I watched the Attack of the Attack of the Clones, uh, uh, number two Star Wars movie, and you know, Dooku's the villain, and he's there, and he's captured Obi Wan, and he's like, you know, planning evil things with all the droids and in the Trade Federation. You know, he's he's the bad guy. So if you know he's doing the thing in the beginning of the third movie, he spoilers dies, but that's that's kind of his whole shtick. Having this background in like seeing how Count Dooku, a former Jedi, Qui-Gon's old master, was led onto the dark side uh, under uh, Sidious's uh, uh, tutelage um, was like interesting in the sense that it is it makes sense. Like this is how the like this is how much the Republic was or not necessarily the Republic even, just the Jedi Council, was broken enough to produce a Sith, almost, if that makes sense. So it's like, um, there's this interesting concept of like, oh, the Sith didn't just come out of nowhere. Like, perhaps the Jedi are, in fact, in somewhat to blame for the Sith uprising. So there's a lot of these like interesting things going on with, with Dooku's backstory in these episodes. And I do like the... Well, the okay, the first Ahsoka episode... Pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. She's baby. The second one for me was like, yeah, and all, and I'm like, okay, that's I guess that's how we explain how she survived Order sixty six. I get it. Um, but the third one, I watched the third one and I was like, this is cool, and very clearly setting up for the next part of her her original series, right? So, I think the Wait, she's the, getting her own original series. Yeah, yeah. Rosario Dawson's playing her. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Oh, you mean live action. live action? Live action, live oh. action. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no. Rosario Dawson's not a good person, so I don't really. Okay. Pay <laughs> um, Damn. Well. Woof. So uh, yeah, I think that the Ahsoka stuff is pretty all right, but I really enjoyed the Dooku stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to what you said, Alex, earlier, in that uh, it's sort of very disparate between the Dooku and Ahsoka stories, right? There's not any overlap between the two of them, and they're arranged kind of weirdly, right? We have one Ahsoka, three Dooku, and then two Ahsoka episodes. Uh, I feel like these are the stories, like Dave Filoni is like, hey, I want to tell a few short stories but didn't have a title that they could fit in. So he just kind of made them anyway and then put them in their own title, right? It's it's sort of like a little bit of a catch-all collection. Um, I agree that I really liked Dooku's stories. I think they portrayed a really, honestly, like, believable and convincing arc for how, you know, someone who was a, you know, a Jedi Knight was able to fall to the dark side, right? Because we don't really have that part of Dooku's backstory at all, uh, for the most part. It was it was it was believable. It was compelling, you know, it sort of was this combination of, you know, bad methodology and an inability to let things go and ego, but also like a very real and very understandable like frustration with the corruption that he saw, the blatant uh, abuses of power in the Senate and the 
honestly very accurate criticism that the Jedi really were just doing the bidding of the Senate all the time and that they stood for law and order, not for justice. You know, they stood for maintaining the status quo rather than looking out for the needs of the people, you know, and to get that kind of criticism and not be able to say anything against it, you know, there's some a real ideological journey, you know, that we can we can see him take. And I think they did a really good job of the original Dooku believably being both a Jedi and someone who could eventually become the kind of Sith that Dooku gets to. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. As far as the Ahsoka episodes, honestly, to me, I wouldn't say it was retreading the same ground more. It's just like filling in a few gaps in her story because it, it's no secret that Dave Filoni is a fan of Ahsoka, right? I mean, he was a big part of like why she's so much of the character that she is today. Uh, and I think, you know, it's just like, oh, hey, you know, there's this little thing we could talk about here. And I don't hate it. I love Ahsoka. I like watching more of her stories. I don't think that any of what we saw was stuff that we were lacking necessarily. Like, I don't feel like it was a mystery how she survived Order 66, but it was cool to see, hey, she also, like, trained for this specific thing in this specific way, and she did it a lot, and that says something about, you know, the persistence of her character, and also, you know, explains a little bit more about, like, that, at the ending of the Clone Wars, which, you know, is still kind of legendary in its way and i love that they just kind of interwove that last scene of that one episode episode five i think it was into the the beginning of the scene that was in the clone wars right when they're entering into the hangar bay with all the clones there and just left it off right assuming that we know what we're watching uh it worked really well i liked it I still am not over that really low poly alien. Like, <laughs> the first shot in the first episode happened. I was like, I, I said out loud, wow, this is really fluid. Like, this is really well animated. And then that fucking saber tooth tiger comes on screen and, like, where did all the polygons go? Is that fur or scales? I can't tell. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. If it's like alien fur scales, then congrats, Filoni. You win this round, but. Anyway, it's it's such a minor complaint. I guess, like, I don't know. It, my overall take on this is it was nice. It was fun. It was cool. I guess I'd watch it again if someone wanted to watch with me. But it's more so, you know, it's the um, it's the mortar between the bricks of the other shows in the Star Wars canon. Yeah, very, very interesting to see how short this series was. I also didn't really know a lot about this series or just that it was you know new star wars content that i had to gluttonously you know consume uh because i need to but um i i was very surprised it was only six episodes and i was very surprised it really only highlighted two characters so you know even if we do have a shorter episode this week i don't think there's anything wrong with that uh michael as you said there's there is a lot of content in these short six episodes and i think they're definitely worth discussing uh, Alex, to your point earlier, I will correct you because I can't not correct you. Uh, Count Dooku actually does appear quite a bit in the original Clone Wars series. I think we just kind of missed a lot of his quote-unquote highlighted episodes uh, when we took the first pass uh, on the series. And of course, the series is gigantic, so that's understandable. But in in many ways, you are still correct. Like, he kind of is just the big bad, and, you know, Asajj Ventress, General Grievous as his, you know, two or little bads are highlighted more... Uh, on an episode-by-episode basis, you know, uh, Asajj and Anakin kind of have their little, like, kerfuffle, and of course you have uh, Kenobi and Grievous, you know, having their spats in different episodes, but Grievous, or uh, Dooku kind of plays a little bit higher than that. 
So you just kind of get him as like, oh, yes. Uh, he takes orders from the Emperor a lot. And he's like, you know, uh, I hate everybody. I, and that's basically his character for a lot of the episodes. But this uh, series gives us a lot of, uh, I think Iris would mention the nuance of, you know, his character and seeing, you know, exactly how uh, Dooku could become, A, a Jedi and a very respected, well, respected Jedi at that and also become the Sith that he eventually does. And I thought that each episode was really, really, like, they took their time to highlight his individual kind of, like, internal conflict while also allowing him to, you know, externally vocalize, you know, I think that the Republic sucks or I think that the Senate is stagnant and isn't helping the people. And, like, that was all really cool stuff. I mean, I am a, like, not a prequels apologist, but very much like having the prequels fleshed out because they were weaker when they came out as movies. This is exactly along those lines. Um, in terms of the Ahsoka arc, most of that is, most of what is covered is actually, uh, redundant. I think Iris, you had mentioned that, like, uh, you didn't necessarily need to see, like, this new stuff in, like, it's not actually new. It comes from the Ahsoka novel. Uh, these oh, three episodes okay. are well. just taken, not, you know, you know, exactly as they appeared in the novel, but the Ahsoka novel kind of brings you through her whole life, and the opening part of the book goes through her as a baby, and the story about, you know, the tiger... Uh, and stuff like that, and also uh, her intense training under Anakin. I think, honestly, that particular episode of her training with the clones speaks more uh, speaks a lot about Anakin as well as a character and how he's very harsh uh, on her, not because, you know, he, he has this ego or something about him, although he definitely does, but he, you know, almost kind of weirdly can see into, like, the worst-case scenario that he will eventually bring to come to pass, and he tries to repair his, his Padawan out of the goodness of his own heart uh, as best he could. Honestly, the close juxtaposition with the death of Qui-Gon makes me actually think that that particular reaction is related to the trauma of seeing Qui-Gon, like, the person who was going to be his master for a hot second there, right, when he was first taken away, you know, to be a Jedi, seeing Qui-Gon Jinn, like, cut down by an enemy in front of him. And he's like, no, what all the other Jedi do isn't good enough, you know, you'd need to be ready for anything. Like, he held Ahsoka to a high standard, but it's because he held himself to a high standard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think the last episode, uh, the Inquisitor has the coolest fucking voice, and he, like, <laughs> lasts for 30 seconds in the next It's such dies. a tragedy. Yeah, really. I mean, you, Do yeah, we even Jesus. know which, like, which Inquisitor it was? Like, was it just a no. nameless Inquisitor? Just some random ass. It wasn't, like, one of the brothers or sisters? I mean, the Inquisitor, there are a lot of Inquisitors. Most of them were Jedi Padawans. They're kind of like, you know, they're kind of chumps, if you think about it from, like, a lightsaber perspective, which is why, she get, why he gets fucking destroyed by Ahsoka. But, like, damn, you really had to go that far out and make this guy look like the coolest badass uh, on the planet before you killed him. It's cool. But, I just like um, the the as far as the inquisitors go, the the brothers and the sisters. I think there's nine of them who are like the the main forces of the inquisitor order. Like they're so cool. And as we were getting introduced to this guy, I was just thinking, is there any one of them that we haven't met yet? Is there any one of them that this could feasibly be? Because that's so fucking cool. I want to see this guy a lot. And then he died. And then he died. But it was cool for Ahsoka, though. So that's yeah, yes. Um. But yeah, overall, I, I think that we've already kind of covered a lot of what makes this show special, and it's just, you know, small, bite-sized episodes, kind of easy to consume in that regard, uh, and it 
I think, you know, somebody had mentioned that it kind of ties into, Michael, I think you mentioned it kind of ties into the, to the Ahsoka series. I think it just, as Iris said, ties up a bunch of loose ends. Some of them we didn't need, some of them we did need, but it's nice to have them. And it's, uh, I think it's very well-constructed television in that regard. All right, well, let's dive right into, since we started talking about some moments in uh, already, why don't we dive into our favorite moments and characters? And you feel free to say whether something's your favorite episode or moment, too, because these episodes, they're only about 13 to 17 minutes long. But yeah, uh, I think I will go last on this one to shake things up. So go ahead. Feel free to let me know. Oh, very nice. Well, thank you, Alex. Um yeah, thanks for going last on the one that's, like, the least <laughs> amount of content. <laughs> Sorry, um, I think it's my God-given duty to give you shit about going first or last in this section. Um, okay, favorite moment. I'm actually trying to decide if my favorite moment is also my favorite episode, but let's just start with my favorite moment, which is the ending of episode three, uh, where Mace Windu gets put on the High Council before Dooku. Um, so that right there was, like, the clearest okay maybe not clearest but like the second episode or the first dooku episode i should say is all about dooku realizing that the republic is actually kind of stupid and or dumb and or whatever right incompetent corrupt corrupt thank you um the the second one the fourth episode is one no sorry the third (laughs) <laughs> the second Dooku episode, which is the third episode of the series, is the one where he realizes that the Jedi Council kind of sucks. Um, in that sense, where he was, you know, ready to do what he needed to do, and actually, you know, he found the truth, even though Maze Windu was like, ah, whatever, he just he find, found the guy, he's fine, whatever, he's fine. Um, the Senator is okay. But, like, Dooku's press, pressing for the truth uh and for like any semblance of i don't know justice i guess uh kind of just like bites him in the back mace windu followed the rules and therefore he becomes a member of the high council and not dooku and so you can see in those two episodes and especially at the end there where he has basically realized how much this system does not work um and so that was really cool of him and uh, me learning about how Dooku became what he is. And that in that moment, I could see like, that's it. That, that makes perfect sense that, uh, the system was not, uh, was corrupt in its own way. Um, as for favorite character, I guess, um, I, I, I'm going to also give it to Dooku in this series, just because it was very interesting to see how much, um, backstory and knowledge we were given in this series to how he became like he is in the in the movies and the clone wars series so yeah good job dooku <laughs> good job dooku you stole the show <laughs> yeah we love you man you killed the, mean, you killed yaddle but whatever uh, i mean honestly there are two there are really only two like loose threads that for me got tied up by this and one is what happened to yaddle between phantom menace and attack of the clones the real oh, answer right? is she wasn't oh my god she I... wasn't phantom menace oh, and the god, real answer is that you know uh, george lucas realized that it was a terrible idea to like include just yoda with a wig on <laughs> And just, like, didn't bring her back for Attack of the Clones. Uh, but, like, now there's an in-universe answer for what happened. Uh, and the second did. one is why Kamino wasn't in their archives. And it's because he deleted it. Right? We it knew, makes we sense. We knew that, though. 
Did, yeah, I mean, we, did we, we know that? We explicitly knew that he deleted them. Yeah, it had to be, because only a Jedi could delete the archives. Yeah. Anyway. If it does not appear yeah, in the archives, it does not it exist. exist. See, I didn't quote it along with you because I quoted it when I was watching it, so (laughs) it all works out. Uh, Anyway, favorite character I have to give to Dooku uh, for all the reasons Michael said, and then on top of it, I'll tack on the badass factor of seeing the curved hilt lightsaber in blue. Yeah. And 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 having because the curved hilt is supposed to be like an intimidating, menacing, yeah. threatening thing. It's Imagine like, him making extra that dangerous. saber, and the person is like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the idea was that he was like a master fencer, right? He was yeah. like one of the best lightsaber duelists ever. You know, uh, uh, like aside from Anakin Skywalker, like this Anakin saber was really the only screams one. dark side. You know, <laughs> it really does, right? But the, I think that like that plus the voice. Yeah. Right? It's just his general demeanor really tied into, I can see him as the extremely authoritative Jedi, but I can totally see how this eventually becomes the, like, like menacing, plotting Sith that it eventually turns into. Uh, so I just think they got the affect down, like, 100%. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was very well done. I also do, actually, I guess I, I want to reiterate, like, how much I liked, you know, the the first episode, like, the balance of, he's trying to do the right thing, like, no, Senator, I will not step aside, but he sucks so bad at de-escalation and just jumps straight to, oh, I'm going to, like, perform a field execution on one of the highest elected officials in the entire galaxy. Like, damn. Anyway, my favorite moment is... Honestly, hard to pick because, like, the whole thing is so short, um, which I guess is kind of paradoxical, but I, it mean, you know, none of the moments, like, are, are that much stronger in my memory than any of the other ones. If I had to pick one, I guess it would, uh, weirdly enough, it would be, like, Yaddle's death, air quotes, and then, oh, she's not actually dead, oh, wait, she's gonna be dead in a half a second. Because when the door came down, I'm just like, oh, God, that's such a brutal way to die. (laughs) And then she didn't die, but, you know, then there's a whole, uh, you know, kill her thing going on. And Dooku was on the perpetrating end as opposed to the receiving end. He'd be in another 10 years. I mean, at least they got the moment where, you know, she lifts the thing and there's the blaring music in the background. If she had just fallen backwards. That's true. That's true. If she had just fallen backwards, she would have been fine. I mean, she probably still... Also, I wanted to just point out, if she had not chosen to confront the Sith Lord and the Jedi he turned and instead went and informed the Council what was going on, the entire rest of the series could have been averted. I'm just saying. Yeah, but the Council... That was the point. The Council was stagnant and wasn't doing anything. They would have been like, a Sith Lord? One of those hasn't been seen in a thousand years. Okay, but, like, Obi-Wan had just killed a Sith Lord that had just killed Qui-Gon, and also, like, Yaddle literally saw it, and wasn't she on the council? Well, yeah, this is true. Technically, this is, this is, uh... This is after, this is after, yeah, this is after, is after uh, Phantom, Phantom Menace. Menace. Well, this is, it was, it was actually, like, concurrent with Qui-Gon's funeral, I believe. Yes. Well, uh, no, no, that was, well, Because, yes. the, remember, the council was all That's leaving right. to go to Naboo? Right, yeah, right. So, again... Proof in the pudding, and then a literal council member saying, "Hey, I also saw a different Sith Lord, and he's got uh, Dooku working for him." Like, they could have averted this if but she then, had just. But then, like, then Darth Sidious couldn't watch Anakin's career with great interest. Like, uh, 
Also, yeah, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Does this mean that in the, like, Naboo parade that... Palpatine was there after having just made Dooku kill Yaddle? Like, did he go from that murder scene straight I, to Naboo to tell Anakin that he was watching his career with great interest? No, that's in episode two. No, that's no, no, like no. That's episode later. one, Marcus. That's the end of episode that's one. That's the end of episode one. He arrives in Naboo and... Yeah. No, 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 but that's a different scene. Like, the, the, the funeral is one time and then the parade is The funeral, funeral happens time. after yeah. that scene, I think. So, I, yeah. So, maybe he comes back to Coruscant, does the thing, and then he comes back? Wait, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he I mean, also he just he also was just announced as the center, no, not the center, uh, as chancellor, chancellor, right? So, yeah. but he is still technically of Naboo, like he was the senator of Naboo. So it's like it doesn't. It's Listen, not how long does space of... travel take? It doesn't take that long, right? Uh, space. Space. I mean, Naboo's not an outer planet. It's 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 in, it's in the thing. There was an entire plot of an entire mainline Star Wars film heavily based around how much time it takes to travel in hyperspace. Also, I just realized in order to get from Naboo to Coruscant, they had to get to Tatooine, and that had to be nearby somehow. No, I think there was a reason they stopped at Tatooine, because their ship was broken or something. Then why would... But it had to be nearby, right? Like, otherwise... You right, but it's like... It's else. like it's like the only places to go are, like, 100 miles forward or 20 miles back. And they couldn't make it 100 miles forward to Coruscant, so they had to go 20 miles back to Tatooine. I don't know, man. This shit doesn't make any sense. It's fucking I mean, I mean, space fantasy. That one's definitely, like, a legitimate, like, why is Tatooine? <laughs> yeah. Which is on the outer rim. Tatooine happened to be on this the This isn't path. about the tales of the conflict. Jedi anymore, you guys realize. This is just about episode one. Listen, and how Tatooine is, is like important. a Sith planet somehow. It attracts all members of the most powerful Force users possible, okay? It's true. We're we're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean it attracts all the most powerful Force users? It's literally just Anakin. No, ta- yeah, exactly. Tatooine like births Anakin out of his mother somehow. Like, <laughs> why, why did you have to <laughs> put it in those words, I mean, Michael? What I are mean, you even saying, the, dude? There wasn't a father, right? I, I know that that's not actually true. The midichlorians, Iris. The midichlorians. The midichlorians. The midichlorians. That's why exception. Luke goes there, and and then Obi Wan goes there, and then. You know, I'm gonna reach into this microphone and strangle all of you. <laughs> Alex, can you save us, please? From oh, hold ourselves? on, I haven't given my favorite. Yeah, I know he's saving us by putting us back on track for you to talk. Go ahead, Marcus. Thank you, Alex. Um, I'm going to pick one of the two. One of the two other characters that are not Dooku and Ahsoka that have somewhat a semblance of a character in this series. Uh, and that's Qui-Gon, because Qui-Gon is great, and I like seeing young Qui-Gon with the fucking deep V, like, Jedi robe, which is very weird, but, um, he, A, is the hero of episode two, Dooku's first episode, and he also has that small moment where, this is my favorite moment, by the way, there's that small moment, uh, in the council halls where it's Yaddle, Dooku, and then, uh, Qui-Gon is walking back, and obviously Qui-Gon had just faced off against, um... Darth Maul for the first time, and everyone's like, oh my god, somebody actually saw a Sith. We haven't seen one in a thousand years. Um, and so, uh, Dooku, you know, he has this uh, this comment like, they they grow up so fast, or something along those lines, which I thought was just really, it was really touching, because, like, that reflects, you know, highly on Qui-Gon. Obviously, you see a big gap in time between when he was first, you know, as, a, as, Qui- uh, as Dooku's apprentice. Uh, on that planet, on that shitty planet with a senator, all the way to when he's his own Jedi Master, he has Obi-Wan as his Padawan, and he fights the Sith Lord, like, you know, he has grown quite a bit, uh, and it's interesting as Dooku to see him, you know, 
more as a contemporary, I guess, than his actual apprentice, but he looks upon it and, you know, Dooku is almost, like, very, like, proud, but also disappointed in that way. Like, I think he sees a lot of, obviously, you know, a lot of what Qui-Gon does and his, uh, his difficulty with the council, his difficulty with the rules of the council comes from Dooku. And this series allowed us to kind of flesh that out a little bit more, which is cool. Um, and yeah, shout out Yaddle. Uh, again, not really something we needed to know as to why, you know, how Yaddle died, but it was a fun scene. Um, and it was, I think it was especially cool when Yaddle, you know, turns out not to actually be dead. And she has the small uh, conversation with Dooku saying, like, you can still stop this. You don't have to do this. And he's, he essentially says it's too late. Like, even though he didn't, you know, he's not killing, it out, killing her out of anger, um, like, he does somehow see that, like, in kind of the same way that Anakin did, like, he's in too deep. Like, this is now just the thing that, you know, he's, you know, committed a whole bunch of, you know, atrocities, and there's no, like, Sidious is right there. Like, there is no other option he has. And, like, even though he, you know, really did want to see the Republic improve and the Jedi Council structured better, this is the way he has to go about it now. And... It sucks, but it also leads to Clone Wars, and then he becomes a much, much more easily hateable character, I guess. So that that happens. I like that you bring up the comparison to Anakin because there really is a great deal of similarity between their falls, and particularly like the moment where it all snaps for them and they like go full Sith, right? It's this deep uh, frustration and this deep dissatisfaction with the brokenness and corruption of the current system, and this anger about it. Right, combined with a sense of ego, the sense that I'm the one who knows how to fix this. I'm the one who is the special one who's going to make it all right. And also this willingness to go straight to violence, to straight to, I'm going to force things to be the way that I want them to be. You know, force things? Yeah, ha ha ha, <laughs> get it out of your system. Um, but they, 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 they go for the iron fist before anything easier anything you know less destructive and they don't mind killing people in order to make things right it's all about ends justify the means and so this all kind of comes together in this cocktail uh you know you add in an inciting incident right for dooku it was being threatened with like being found out and being 100 percent excommunicated for anakin it was uh i mean kind of the same thing actually like oh my god what have i done i betrayed everything i ever stood for no you didn't you were loyal to the right thing and then they have to grab on to the right thing for the rest of their lives or else their entire like internal uh you know construction of no i'm actually the good guy still collapses around them and they actually start to see you know the awful people they become uh, and I guess, you know, who knows, eventually down the line, perhaps they stop caring about actually doing the right thing. And they're just, this is what they do now. They're just evil now and they can't do anything else. But it really is like almost mirror images of each other. You know, the way that they are sort of uh, manipulated and bullied and coerced and just ever so slightly nudged into making that swap. Can I quickly ask... A lore question. Sure. Does does Dooku have a is okay? First of all, is Dooku did did Dooku ever officially become a Sith? Yes. Yeah, he has a Sith name. Okay, what is his Sith name? I was curious. His Sith name is Darth Tyrannus. Oh and, yeah. I and in that. response to your next question, I don't know because I was also asking this. I have no idea why Dooku doesn't use that name. 
fucking so cool. Well, like, okay, perhaps... to, to, to be fair, in the second movie, at least, he has to go by Count Dooku because they don't technically know that he's Sith yet, right? Like... Right, but, like, you know... No, there is actually an answer for this. Oh. He, okay, please. Uh, he renounces... So, obviously, as a Jedi, you have to renounce your, you know, worldly possessions yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but he is technically the Count of a planet called Sereno, and that's why he is moniker Count Dooku. Um, so when he becomes a Sith, he regains the title of being the Count of Sereno, uh, the, t- the planet that he kind of rules over, I guess. Uh, and he turns that into essentially his Sith home, home base. So, uh, man, her he likes to monarchy go. is fucked up. Cause he like, what he had been gone from that planet ever since being a literal infant. And he just waltzes back on it and he's like, yeah, hi, I'm the evil overlord now. And they're like, okay. I mean, I'm not really sure there were people actually living on Sereno. It appears a couple of times in Clone Wars, and it's very like, like dense jungle, and generally just. Well, so then what? It's just like a meaningless. It's just ego. It's think just of like it a more meaningless like title. A, think of it more like a vacation getaway, except the entire getaway is your own planet. <laughs> nah, yeah, but like, is... if everyone who owned a second house starts like knighting themselves or calling themselves Count and Countess. It's 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 stupid. Is all I'm saying. You can be a lord <laughs> in Scotland only for five dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, well, I mean, so anyway, take it from me. Scottish lords haven't had a whole lot of authority for a long time. The reason that I asked this question was I I was actually wondering if they were gonna do like the whole knighting ceremony after Dooku kills Yaddle. I think that would have been cool. I was kind of disappointed they didn't do that, but I was like, ah, okay, because um, that would be a per- that would be a perfect tie in. To be the parallel to Anakin, where Sirius, Sirius, Jesus, uh, Sidious, after Duke kills Yaddo, would be like, Welcome, Darth Tyrannus. <laughs> Darth Sirius. <laughs> Darth Sirius. <laughs> no, he's not goofing around. He's not joking around anymore. I kill Darth Sirius. Um, oh my god. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think I have to also uh, agree with with a previous favorite moment. I can't remember who said, who said it, but I do think episode... Four, Dooku's third episode is my favorite episode, just because of uh, of yeah his his very believable descent into becoming a Sith, and I do think that Yaddle, her her, yeah you could say that her her not going to contact the rest of the Jedi was like the inciting incident for this the like first pebble that started the landslide of the events that led up to episode two and three. But I, I do I do respect her for trying to go and uh and plead to Dooku's character. Um what she was doing was trying to win him back over to to the Jedi's side. And trying to play on his like it's not too late there's no mistake you can't undo you can just come with me we can turn this sith lord in and we can make it right and then on the flip side with dooku's previous disillusionment that we've seen build up over two or three episodes with the jedi council we already know what his answer is going to be we already know that there's no way that he can go back uh, to something normal, to going back into the system that he disagrees with so soundly. And I really like how there's been, uh, taking a step back a little bit, there's been a sort of new uh, analysis of the Jedi Order of the prequels in, the, in like these past couple of years. I've seen a lot of great video analyses of how the Jedi Order... And their policies on like 
restricting emotion and, uh, like you said, artists, giving up worldly desires is not healthy. And it's not, um, uh, it's not healthy and it's what directly contributed to their downfall with Anakin, uh, trying to force him to restrict his emotions uh, for Padme and uh, trying to let her go and him not being able to because of those restrictions is what caused their downfall. And in turn, embracing emotion in the original series with Luke embracing love for his father and embracing that connection between others is what eventually saves Darth Vader in the end and what brings Anakin back. I really love how the whole, like I said, the whole uh, idea of this Jedi Order and has been, uh, I, I certainly don't think George Lucas fully painted it, it in the original th- trilogies as something that was like so stifling, so restrictive. But as people had had time to adapt and uh, continue on these storylines, as in with Clone War, as in with Tales of the Jedi, we've been able to see a really nuanced take on what it means to be the Jedi, uh, to be a part of the Jedi Order, and the flaws that come with it. I just think it's so such a such a great analysis of uh, this piece of world building that seems like so so a part of this franchise. Yeah, I I love everything you just said, and purely because I'm a nerd and we're talking about Star Wars, I do want to bring up uh, something I also love, which is not this piece of media, but I'm going to briefly summarize the take on the use of the Force and the light and the dark side and the emotions and such uh, from the hit breakaway video game, Knights of the Old Republic 2. <laughs> hey. Which basically we're all over the place in this episode. We're all over the place. Listen, yeah, the there's main, animation in it. It's true. The main villain of that game, spoilers, but it came out like so long ago. So this is actually this is actually spoilers. It's this like is actually 05. spoilers. It's like oh five or something. Yeah, it's like eighteen years old now. The main villain of that game, ultimately, right? Ultimately, her whole ideological basis is neutrality, right? Neither light side nor dark side. She was a Jedi first, and then a Sith, and then found that both were destroying uh you know both uh were bad because the the take that she has and that kind of the game itself too sort of has at points and this is extremely dumbed down but that both the light and the dark side twist the person who has them into something different than what they were right and if you're on the light side right you have to basically sub- completely 100% subscribe to this asceticism you can't have any worldly possessions you can't have any emotions you can't have any ego you can't have anything for yourself and the other side right the the sith is if you decide to use the force for you know what you want even if it's a noble goal it ends up twisting your goals away from you you know you make more and more concessions in the name of what you eventually want and then eventually it's like you're not even you know you're just a parody of you know egotism and uh rage right it's either you have to fully be the super ego or fully be the id and there's no you know counterbalance between the two the only reason i bring this up is because there's i want to say that there's just been so many different really fascinating takes on the force and emotion and like how to live healthily with the force because you're right the jedi way to do it works 
most of the time, but when it doesn't work, it doesn't work spectacularly. And it really is the case that Anakin and Dooku are both products of the ways that the Jedi system fails a lot of people who just aren't built that way, I guess. One thing, and this is kind of building off of your point, Iris, that I really wish that we had seen in the Ahsoka arc of this series was her being abducted from her home planet by Plo Koon to become yes. a member of the Jedi Order. That's a that's a pretty big... I mean, I, I guess it's... I can't remember exactly how big it is in the novel, but um, her relationship with Plo Koon is very much like a, a very tight kind of bond that she has. And it's very strong. It's very essential to her character, I think. And... One of the things that I really enjoy about, you know, continuing this discussion about the how being a part of a Jedi isn't, you know, all good or necessarily like even the morally right thing to do. Like these people take a perfectly fine child that had a family at her, you know, on her home planet and forcibly remove them and bring them into their own kind of little bubble and raise them to be this emotionless, you know, uh, this warrior essentially warrior slash monk uh that is just supposed to be there to quote unquote help the universe and you know these episodes kind of go through and show you well actually they're not really doing a lot of help either like they're just kind of there they're they're like glorified police with very very sharp swords and they uh don't really have the ability to think for themselves and that's what causes their downfall that part and i think you know like especially after seeing the first episode of the series which is like you get this. You you get this. Like a, you you are you're introduced to Ahsoka's parents, but b, you're introduced to this like very old kind of, um, I guess like tribal head or tribal leader or something. You know this this old woman who has this ability to kind of have a nose for the force, um, and there's like a, a small moment where like they both kind of they have this moment where like she it's it, it's implied I guess that. If she's not force sensitive, she has the ability to know like that Ahsoka is force sensitive, and then of course she rides it on the tiger's back. Um, something about that was just very kind of like I, I really would have wanted to see her reaction when you know because she knows as soon as it's it's clear that Ahsoka is force sensitive, the Jedi are coming in, they're taking her. Like that just kind of is the reality of things. Uh, and I think that it would, would have just been really cool. Like that's a, that's a very somber moment. Honestly, you have these parents who love their child that are going to lose her forever. And are they going to look at that and be like, well, she's off to a better purpose. She's going to be a Jedi. She's going to be a hero of the, of the Republic. Or they'd be like, don't take my fucking baby. That is my child. Like that kind of thing is so interesting to me because it, like, it is an, it's like one of the biggest hypocrisies of the Jedi, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Like, like the biggest uh, moral ambiguity. Yeah. Uh, it's honestly to the point where, and these are slightly different circumstances, I'm going to mention yet another extraneous Star Wars uh, piece of media, the Fallen Order Jedi game. Spoilers for that, too. I haven't uh, finished the game yet! <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. There's, there's a discussion in it about, you know, whether or not it was good for the Force-sensitive children to be chosen as Jedi. That's all. I'll leave it at that. Because it, it, you're absolutely right. You know, it's it's not necessarily, like, something that a lot of people would have been favorable about. I mean, if you, it, it, like, it's like, hey, your baby, you don't have a choice. They got to come with us. Like, was it a culturally accepted thing that if your child has Force powers, they just go to be a Jedi because they have to? Like... Are, there, are Is that universal? Are there people who would try and fight? And it's like, no, you can't take my baby. Like, 
it was it kind of like the witchers where people were like you know here get rid of my kid you know i don't want to <laughs> see <laughs> probably not but it's it's, it's maybe some of them it's like oh this fucking baby's got fourth you know good you get rid of him get out of here it's just it's such a it's such a fascinating question it's like how do the parents feel that their baby has caught a case of the force and now must be <laughs> taken away forever and i i, I want to bring this back to alex's original point which is that in many ways star wars has grown with us and i think that our generation kind of is the quote-unquote golden generation of star wars because we're we're seeing everything be fleshed out in such a way that is, you know, introducing more mature topics, more mature, you know, things on the shows that are more appropriate for, you know, people our age than children that are 10 years old when, you know, when I was, when Revenge of the Sith came out, right? Like, that's what I think is the the best, you know, Dave Filoni's magnum opus. This is the gift that he has brought us, right? The ability for us to look at these things and peer deeper and, you know, compare these things to the more mature things that we see in our daily lives. And yeah, just really quickly before we move on, the the one thing that this really brings up to me that I'm only now really thinking of is in Phantom Menace, right? They bring uh, Anakin back to the Jedi Council and they tell him that he's too old to start training, right? He's too old. And I'm like, when I actually watched that film the first time, I was like, what do you mean he's t- too old? He's like, he's like 12 or something. He was nine. He was nine, right? And it just goes to show you how much the Jedi Council values their control over very, very young minds. Um, and how much they, like, in order for the Jedi Council to work, they need to be able to control them in the Jedi ways as much as they physically can, right? I mean, that's a very inflammatory way to say it. You, I feel like I would more phrase it as it is impossible to unteach emotion and unteach personal attachments, right? Like their their worldview, right? The asceticism, like, has to be from that young age before they even start forming attachments. Right. And- which ends up kind of being the case, right? Like an emotional attachment he has before joining the Jedi Order is what ultimately makes him into the Sith he becomes. Right. And but that's that's that exactly. And and when I mean by the control is that like, you know, those attachments get formed by natural growth i should say and to me at least it's 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 part of the jedi way to not be in that natural sense like like if 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 uh if getting rid of attachments or not attaching to things was you know the the jedi way why is it so difficult to be able to to have to do that right do do, do you see what i'm saying well i mean the jedi way was like supposed to be difficult i i i I guess my my thoughts on this is that asceticism in and of itself is not a bad thing right if if your way to you know prevent you from becoming a sith prevent you from like the power you have corrupting you is asceticism that works i think the jedi council's failings was trying to force it onto everyone as a one-size-fits-all thing because it very clearly was not a one-size-fits-all in many ways, I kind of agree with both of you because, like, on the one hand, this is the literal chosen one. This is a, pro- a prophesied, you know, person that is supposed to bring balance to the Force, quote-unquote. And they still can't even make an exception to this kid because he already has a very deep attachment to his mother. Like, th- that speaks to Michael's point about the control. They literally can't see a way to take this this godchild and put I them mean, on their side. And, I don't like, think they believed he was the godchild, right? 
but sorry they, to interrupt. Like, didn't wasn't that just like Obi Wan being fanciful? Like, whatever. But his his midichlorians were yeah, off they, the scale. His midichlorians, Iris. His midichlorians. <laughs> I mean, you know, shitty George Lucas writing aside, like they had the evidence to say that this this child had the potential to be even more powerful than Master Yoda, and like they were willing to throw that away because this child was too old. In many ways, that kind of speaks both to the Jedi's, like, folly and their control, but also to, like, sticking to their guns and being like, I don't care how powerful this person is. We have our values. We have our way of doing things. We won't let this happen. So then really what you're saying is that the downfall of the Jedi was caused by them not following the protocol. In many ways, it was it was oh. giving ground to Qui-Gon, especially because he died, right? Yeah. And admitting to, like, okay, we will let Obi-Wan train you. This is what Qui-Gon would have wanted. It's not what we want, but, like... He had a plan for you. So their emotional reaction to Qui-Gon's death caused them to make a bad decision, which led to the downfall of their order. This is an argument for the Jedi. The Jedi did nothing wrong. Hold on, maybe it's not an emotional thing. Maybe, maybe it's uh, Gondor trying to use the ring instead of destroying it. Huh? Huh? Are you suggesting that they murder Anakin? No, I'm suggesting that they don't give it the power that he... You know what I'm saying. Like, like... (laughs) Like, we should just use the ring. Why destroy it? We could be so powerful. That that is so not even remotely analogous. I don't even know where to start. Okay, let me continue then. I think that the... (laughs) I think that the Jedi Council... Okay, to a certain certain effect, I think that the Jedi Council, after, like, obviously, you know, like, like, spurred on by Qui-Gon's wish. Like, they knew that what they were doing was very, very risky, Okay. And but they also saw Anakin's enormous potential, okay? And they decided to risk it, and they lost. Is what I'm saying. This is not even remotely about Tales of the Jedi anymore. Having said that, I disagree because one, it was not about like Anakin being potential. You know, it, they didn't let him into the order because oh, you know, eventually he might be the most powerful Jedi, and then we'd have you know the power to defeat our enemies. That wasn't their motivation at all. How do you know? Two, like, but how, like, what? It kind of was. It kind of was. No, no. It was so much more about Qui-Gon wanted him trained, and Qui-Gon's gone now, so we're going to honor his memory by letting him be trained. I think that that's the excuse. No, the council did not believe necessarily that he was the chosen one. They weren't even sure that the prophecy was real. Right? Like, the council generally didn't believe in, like, future sight or predestination. That was their whole problem with Sifo-Dyas in the first place. Separate thing, but, like, (laughs) come on. Also, also, the whole comparison to the One Ring. Like, the One Ring was very obviously evil. Like, literally explicitly the most important tool of the, like, literal representation of... Like, the forces of evil in the Lord of the Rings universe. Like, Anakin was just a kid. There's no, like, we're playing with darkness here. There's no, like, we're trying to use the enemy's power against him thing. There's no, like, we're trying to, like, use evil in the service of good. He was literally a nine-year-old kid. There's no way you can say that those two things are equivalent. I'm sorry. I really (laughs) hate that metaphor. I'll disagree, but let's move on. What? (laughs) What I I will say on that point is that I think in many ways, Iris, you did highlight how, like, they, the the Jedi Council essentially did have an emotional response. They allowed yes. their feelings for Qui-Gon to influence their decision to train Anakin, even though it was against their ways. And I think it speaks to the Jedi's true failing, which is that as much as you can try to have, you know, turn your, your, your order into, you know, emotionless, soulless soldiers, it's not possible. 
And stifling that is eventually going to cause problems, as it did with Anakin. And, like, obviously that's a big through line through Episode 3. And it's a through line through this as well. The, the, the you know, Dooku is in tune with his emotions in the sense that, obviously, it's the wrong ones. He's very angry at the Senate and, like, you know, just the corruption going around. But the Jedi stifle him. Mace Windu gets the Council seat because he is emotionless and just follows orders. Like, Mace he Windu is, gets the okay. Council seat because Count Dooku got a Senator killed. <laughs> Well, okay, yes, but... <laughs> right, but I mean, did you not... But Okay, that's the whole episode, though. That's the whole point. That's like, the whole like, point. The takeaway I have from that episode was that it was a display of Count Dooku's ego. No, it was totally... Which it it is. Was, okay, yes, but it was, it was more about the fact that Mace Windu got rewarded even though they were both in the same situation, okay? Right? Dooku I... was literally pursuing justice. Yeah. D- uh, like, Windu just got, yes, the, and he got, got the job. he got someone done. killed. The whole thing was that he insisted on justice has to be done my way. Eh, well, uh, you know, well, sometimes the, 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 collateral I don't see damage. Dooku, I see Dooku as having good intentions, but really bad execution there. And I think ultimately his actions in that episode were wrong. I will say that I think the the viewer <laughs> is intended to believe that Dooku is at least right partially, right? Like you're supposed to empathize with Dooku's, you know, struggle. I I don't know. I really feel like it was supposed to illustrate that his good intentions were easily corruptible and That's- that and that trying, you know, that his methods and his single-mindedness about it meant that even though he was trying to do something good, he ended up causing a lot of bad things to happen. Right. He caused more violence, right? He caused more death. And the uh, same because... can be said of Anakin doing a lot of the same things. You know, exactly. He, he believes that he is right and he ends up causing a lot of problems and he has to deal with them. I, I really don't think that is supposed to be a dig on how the council did things as, at all. I disagree because right? like Miss Windu in the entire episode is being the obstructionist, right? Miss Windu is like, no, don't talk to him. We don't need to learn the truth about this. Like a Jedi master died for God's sake, right? Like, why would they yeah, not and the try council, to... the authorities, the people who were in charge were going to deal with it. This is like the were they though? You know, were was, they though? He, no, that they were. They that, were that not the going to deal with like, it. They were closing this case because they got to the bottom of it. And that was it. Yeah, and Mace Windu was rewarded with a promotion. What? They like, never said they were closing the case. Yes, they, they only did. said that it wasn't Dooku's and Windu's job to solve it. Well, then why are like, they going the... there in the first place? To get the body, they were the beat cops on like security transport. Right, but isn't it the like the okay? But that is just like devaluing they didn't what they're even, even give there the, for. The lead detectives a chance to like. There was no indication that the council was never going to ask what happened. It's just that they're not. There was asking no indication two... that there was a chance that they were going to ask what happened. Why would you assume that they would just not ask? Because they're happened? sending two Jedi freaking masters. <laughs> Why would they to not get just the send body. someone from the Republic to, to get, get the, the body? To get the body, dude. It's not. It's a different thing entirely. Are you kidding? Are you, are you really saying, possession. oh, we need I'm to go re- pick up this very useful body. Let us, like, send our two best people, and they're, we're just not going to let them do anything. They're not like, the they're, two best people at like the time. They're they were on people? the council. What are you talking about? They were not on the council at that time, But Michael. they're Jedi. It doesn't matter. They're very important. Do you important. know how many Jedi there are? <laughs> how many there Jedi are there? are hundreds. I mean, at least hundreds and hundreds. Well, yeah, how many know, planets are there? There's like one Jedi per planet, basically. There were They were Jedi Masters. Those were two very highly respected Okay, sure. They're time. two highly respected Masters. And they're honoring uh, Master whatever her name was, uh, who got killed, by sending like two highly respected people to get her body but they were not on the council they were not the supreme authority on the order there is no like reason to suspect that 
the people who were actually on the council would not have actually gone in and done anything. Iris, you Windu understand. Windu doesn't say, Cinema- Windu does not say that the council isn't going to figure out what happened. He said that the council hasn't told us to figure it out. You understand that the entire episode is formatted like Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan going to Naboo, right? How can they not expect us to infer that they're there to learn stuff? Right? They're going to Naboo because they have to negotiate with the trade. No, of course. They're trying to learn their deeper things. So, of course, that's what they want us to understand with these two. That is such a logical leap. You, you've watched Star Wars, right? This is how yes, this works. I have. No, they're not even remotely comparable things. One of them, they're co- going into, like, solve a dispute between two political parties, as the council sees it. The other one is they're just going to pick up the fucking body. That they like, killed! The, the You're going to the planet <laughs> in which they died! They they <laughs> fucking killed the Jedi! Why are you... What? How would, like... <laughs> I Okay, you know what this is? Either this is proof of my thing... Or this is proof that the Jedi Council is absolutely idiotic for sending <laughs> two Jedi okay. to go pick up a Jedi's body to the planet in which the Jedi was killed without them without asking any of them to do anything. Okay, okay, okay. So the analogy to all this, right? I'm going to analogize this with like real world, uh, like people and political entities. This is like okay. A neighboring country, right? You have a you have an a, you have an ambassador in a neighboring country, and they die in some kind of incident. Okay. And then the police of that country call you and say, "Hey, your person died in a shootout. Like, we're okay. really sorry." Yeah. And we're like, "Okay, we're gonna send like two police officers." No, 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 no. <laughs> this is like the ambassador to your country was killed by us. Go send like your freaking five star general to come pick up their body. They were not the five star generals. They're they were Jedi. not the top of the Jedi. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Alex from the editing room. I'm just going to skip about 45 minutes ahead because this this argument goes on for about 45 minutes. We're just going to skip right to the end. Uh, Are you saying that because you're going to like cut out all the stuff that we just said? And we're back. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for (laughs) listening (laughs) to this episode. Uh, This week's episode that you can watch on YouTube is called TIE Fighter by Paul Johnson. Uh, and next week, we are going to be watching JoJo's Part 4. So uh, feel free to look forward to that. Once again, thank you to Ben for our intro and outro theme. You can check out his own podcast, Real Beasts on Spotify. And if you would like to hear our uncut Star Wars episode with extra 15 minutes of argument, feel free to email us at Iris, drop the link bestseatpodcast at gmail.com and if you email us, if you are the first person to ever email us because no one has ever emailed this email account, then we would like to offer you a reward of your choosing. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You'll get a shout out on our podcast. You'll get a shout out. You'll get to guest star. I don't know. (laughs) Once again, thank you so much for listening and you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks everyone.